big warm welcome to the Clean Energy Crash, Crash Course, a special father-daughter duo segment of Flanagan's Ecologic. I'm Sierra Flanagan, joined by my dad, Ted Flanagan, and most delighted to be here with you today, Dad. Well, likewise. This is great. And yeah, we're going to be talking about campus sustainability and specifically spotlighting EcoMotion's work with the Chula Vista School District. Um, so that will be our topic for today. And um, looking forward to sharing with folks about this story. And my dad was just saying, this was inspired by a dear friend, Michael Totten, um, who said, geez, you should really tell a story about this story. <laughs> um, so let's start high level, because this has sort of been our shared bread and butter working with campuses and sustainability, me on more of the strategic side and you on really the operations. Um, so what makes campuses so unique in their circumstances when we're talking about citing a solar project? Yeah, yeah. And, and thanks to Michael for, for nudging us on, like you said. Uh, yeah, you know, school, we, we're, we're, we're spending a lot of time working with school districts. And uh, there's, a, there's a couple things that when you're, when you're dealing with solar that, that become, really come right to the fore. And the first one is, is that one of the great um, financial opportunities when you're installing a solar system, whether it's a homeowner or a business, uh, uh, you can take a, an investment tax credit. And uh, the investment tax credit for solar has now been extended uh, for a number of years at 30%. And so essentially, if you have a tax appetite, as it's called, a tax appetite, then you can basically have uh, you know the cost of solar, a solar system for 70% of what it would have been. And it's even better than that. If you're a corporation, then you can also take what's called accelerated depreciation. And you're able to depreciate your solar asset in an accelerated way. And there's a great financial value to that. And it's typically, you know, 20 or 25% of project costs. So if you have a tax appetite, uh, if you're a taxable entity and you pay taxes and therefore you have quote unquote an appetite, then you can have over 50% of the cost of solar paid for um, through this combination of investment tax credits and accelerated, accelerated depreciation benefits. Well, guess what? Schools are not, don't have a tax appetite. They don't pay taxes. So, you know, that traditionally has not been, a, that 55% of cost has not been paid for by the government, has not been available to school districts. Now, there has been a... Um, there is a provision in the Inflation Reduction Act um, that does allow for a, a 30% transfer uh, direct payment to, to nonprofits that don't have a tax appetite. But still, you're not getting the full, you're not able to, to monetize the depreciation benefits. So, so that's number one. And then what we've found over the years of working with lots of school districts is that maintenance is a huge problem for them. And they don't have the capacity, they don't have the staff to go out and to, um, you know, repair, repair systems. So they're really, they've been really happy that that sector, that what we call it the K-12 sector and also municipal buildings have been very happy to engage in another financial arrangement. We've talked about these, the power purchase agreements where a third party comes in and installs the solar system and owns it and just sells kilowatt hours to the, to the party. 
That's exactly what we have at Millbrook School, one of our last podcasts we talked about. So those are the big barriers that have been, or the big issues on campuses. Lack of tax appetite, lack of maintenance, and then, of course, even if you had a tax appetite, you know, to come up with all that cash, you know, districts are tight. You know, so, so there are, there's, there's, there's clever ways of getting around that. Yeah. So tell us about the Chula Vista story as a school district, a non-taxable entity. Uh, how did that come to be? Yeah, it's, it's a fun story that uh, my friend Eric Hall, who runs a consulting company in California, and he's a financial consultant for school districts. Uh, he had been working with the Chula Vista Elementary School District for a number of years. And, you know, it's, it's a big district. They have 49 campuses. Chula Vista, for our listeners who are not familiar, is a city in California right along the Mexican border, just south of San Diego and just north of Tijuana, Mexico. So so uh, Eric knew my company's business model, Ecomotion's business model, which is not to sell solar, but to provide consulting services and to serve as an owner's rep. So I was uh, I, I went down to Chula Vista and met with Oscar Esquivel, who's the business officer at the district. It's really a terrific gentleman. And we started talking about our business model, what we do. And he had been approached as any any entity would be. He'd been approached by lots of solar companies trying to sell him solar systems. And he didn't know. And this, again, is typical. Why would a school district have any expertise in solar? He didn't know who to trust. He didn't know who to select. He didn't know anything about the quality of modules or racking or offsetting rate structures or performance guarantees, all the stuff we'll talk about. So he was delighted to meet me and, and to be introduced to Ecomotion. And he said, what would the first step be? And I said, Oscar, we routinely offer a, a no-cost analysis. We call it FAST, Financial Analysis of Solar and Storage Technologies. Let's just take one campus. Let's focus on one campus and see how it, see how it pans out. And of course, what happened was Michael Ware and the solar team at Ecomotion did some analysis and we found out with that one campus, I don't even remember which school it was, doesn't matter. We found out that the economics were really, really favorable, uh, you know, looking really good. And we can tell really quickly you know, if you got a, if you got a viable project or not. And they had a very viable project. And I took this back to Oscar and we talked about it and, uh, he said, you think that would be the same on all of our campuses? And I said, yes, I really do. It's the same financial benefits that you would be getting on every campus. He said, what's the next step? I said, let's do it now an, an in-depth feasibility analysis uh, of all of the campuses. And so Michael Ware and, and team went down to Chula Vista for three days, went to every campus, looked at all of the opportunities. Where would you put solar? Where would you in interconnect it? And we did a feasibility analysis that we, we realized my goodness, 49 campuses is a lot. But long story short, if we put solar on all these campuses and basically not, not 100%, but 90% coverage of all these campuses, so there's a little bit of room for, for energy efficiency improvements, you know, then, then we could save the district tremendous amounts of money. And in fact, if we went the PPA route, we brought in a third party, and of course they need to make some money, that would save the district $60 million over the 25 years. And if they had cash, or were, were given bonding authority, which ended up happening, they would save $88 million. And, you know, Oscar fell off of the chair and asked me to present this to the school board, which we did, and they were just delighted. Um, and off we went to the races uh, with the project. Wow. So was it really the fact that Oscar hadn't 
and didn't know how to navigate all the complexity of the kind of offers coming his way that he hadn't pursued or even fully flushed out these opportunities. Was that really the block? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a lack of knowledge, uh, a lack of trust, not knowing what questions to ask, you know, you I mean, what types of panels, what types of inverters, how are you going to mount this, uh, uh, he just didn't have, you know, he's a, he's a very, very smart man and he's running a, he runs a, does a great job running his district and solar was just outside of his wheelhouse. So he was really happy to, to, to meet us. And, uh, I think the school board was too, you know, the board, every board member had a question or two, you know, what if this, what if that, and, and we were able to answer all of their questions. And so, yeah, then the next step after the feasibility analysis and the board approval was to was to for EcoMotion to write a request for proposals, mm-hmm. and then t- we reached out to twenty four different solar companies and said, "Hey, this is opportunity is coming down the pike. You know, keep your eyes open." And then we sub- we sent out the RFP to all of these uh, companies, asking them for their best shot at the deal, and uh, we got five really good proposals back, and. Uh, then we started that whole comparative process, and then it sort of ended up. We had two incredible, uh, two incredible companies that, that were that were uh, in our shortlisted, both uh, Amoresco, which has done a lot of work across the country, and a lot of work in Massachusetts, and, but across the country, a lot of work in California, and Engie, which is actually a French-owned company um, that also has just done incredible work uh, all over the, all over the country and all over the world, for that matter. So we had. We were able to bring in a really big player um, because it was a really it was a really big job. And how many campuses were were they scouting? <laughs> forty nine. Forty nine. Oh, all forty nine uh, of them. Wow. Yeah, all we all forty nine. There was uh it was just an incredible thing. And and the district office, I guess maybe forty seven and the district office. And then there was a campus that was in planning, the planning process, and we were able to solarize that one as well. And can you give us a sense of how big a system were they looking to install on all these campuses? Well, at the end of the day, um, we installed, in aggregate, it was 8.1 megawatts. So, wow. uh, but it ended up being around 175 to 200 kW per school site. And and the energy they were pulling from or the electricity was just from the grid before? Yeah, they used to buy all their power from San Diego Gas and Electric and, uh, no problem there. And then that changed and, and they were now purchasing, as again, about 90% of their power. Uh, well, not purchasing because uh, I guess I should, I should clarify this. I sort of alluded to it a little earlier, but the voters of the city of Chula Vista authorized a bond measure and mm. the, bond, the bond measure paid for all of the solar. And it was like $32 million or $35 million worth of uh, solar investment. And it was all paid by the taxpayers of Chula Vista, so that meant that the school district didn't have to re, re, didn't have to repay the money. And in fact, the savings from the solar over the next twenty five years, we had originally estimated eighty eight million dollars of savings. Now we think it's north of a hundred million dollars of savings because utility rates have have slightly escalated. So that so the, right. the more the more the utility power costs, the you know the ben, the greater the benefit is from the solar. But big numbers, right? So you know, tell school. us a little bit about how that process was facilitated. It was a, was Oscar driving that or how did you get how did all the ratepayers get behind this bond idea? You know, I don't I don't know that much about that. Um 
how how you know how much the the school had to really promote it. It was it was very interesting. They had a a consultant, and I heard that his the consultant's presentation. He had a consultant that that guides them through that bond process, and before you before you try to get uh, authorization from the voting public, you know they do a lot of analysis. And the th- one of the things that really struck me was that only somewhere less than forty percent, it might have even been as little as thirty percent of the people in Chula Vista had a connection with a school district. You know, they only, you know, only, only 30% had kids there or had had kids there or were go- had younger children right. that would be going to school there. But um, there's a history in many cities, not just Chula Vista, of supporting the school district. And so I thought it was really quite, quite beautiful, really, that everybody in the city recognized the value of doing this and the value of doing this for the community, sure, everybody's property taxes rise if you've got a good school district, but you know that's one right. of the ind- indirect benefits. But it was this whole notion that I think you know we want our kids to be learning in environments that even even the facility itself is a teaching experience. Yeah, so that's amazing. And and back to the project side of it. Um, so you ended up going with NG, or tell us about that next step of selecting the contractor and working with them to oversee the project. Yeah. Yeah. It, let, let's, yeah, let's talk a little bit about um, the taking it to market. Um, I mentioned we reached out to 24 companies. We had five proposals. SunPower, another big company that mo- many of our uh, listeners will know, NGM, Resco, Baker, Schneider, Electric uh, submitted proposals. And we had costs coming in. And we, we do a comparative analysis, of course, of all these proposals, very detailed comparative analysis. But costs range from about $3.96 per watt of installed solar to to $5.62 per watt. So we sort of measure in dollars per watt for solar. And and we had this relatively narrow bandwidth of of companies. We ended up choosing Engie, which I think came in at $4.71. That included... $7 $7 million worth of operations and maintenance over the next 25 years. So, wow. so the, uh, the, the, thankfully, the, the bond, bond payers, the taxpayers of Chula Vista, not only paid for about, I don't know, 28 or $29 million worth of solar, but then also basically endowed it with this terrific uh, O&M wow. contract over the, over the period. So, and that, is, that a, is that a fixed rate of four, four cents, 4.71 cents kilowatt for 20 years? Well, that was really just our way. Yes. Yeah. For 25 years. Yeah. If you, if you, if you take the total cost of the system over 25 years, and then you take the total generation into kilowatt hours or millions of kilowatt hours, and you divide that out, you end up with a levelized cost of energy over that period. Um, Now that number is, well, that number, it's a, it's a good number. Um, It's a good comparative number, but it just got us to a position where we could make a, a determination and and NG turned out to be a, a terrific partner for the district. Uh, a lady named Nancy Rorabaugh deserves to be mentioned. She just guided this whole process. Shane Carlson, project manager for NG. I mean, you know, you can imagine 49 campuses. That's a significant, yeah, uh, significant operation. And they, did, they had tranches going on. And you imagine for every campus, you've got to finalize the design. And then you've got to deal with permitting. Uh, you know, getting what's called DSA approval. It's a regulatory approval for school districts in California. And then, you know, then you're just scheduling and construction and, you know, imagine the coordination with all these campuses and, you know, 
you know, parents dropping off kids and school buses coming in and kids all over the place. And, you know, it's, it's a really, um, it's a, I, I give Engie and these solar companies that do this work a lot of credit because they're, they're working around a lot of barriers, um, a lot of challenges in, in, in actual construction on site. But I would say, I, I think it just went without a hitch the whole, all the way through, uh, you know, some minor, some minor details, but essentially all the campuses got built. They're all beautiful. Wow. Um, some Amazing. of the superintendent, some of the superintendents wanted to, to have, uh, or, or some of the, yeah, the school superintendents wanted to have shaded, um, structures for kids to have shade when they're eating lunch outdoors or in playgrounds. Uh, sometimes we, some of the, uh, solar ports are covering cars in parking lots, which is of course very attractive in Southern California. So there was, there was a mix. We, the school district did not want to do any rooftop installations. It was all those solar canopies. Oh, wow. Those I call, I call them solar ports or carports, solar carports that, that all of us have seen around and which are very expensive because there's all that steel. That's a much more expensive configuration than going on the rooftop but you don't have to deal with structural issues and leaking issues and all that kind of stuff. So, Okay. So they didn't touch the rooftops of the schools. Not at all. Not a single wow. rooftop. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And so tell us a little bit about, yeah, how EcoMotion then interfaces with an NG and, you know, this big project underway and, you know, are they doing all the stakeholder engagement buy-in pieces? Is that, um, but yes, yes, yeah, and I, I, I <laughs> no, that's a good that's a good question. What do we do? And uh, you know, you can imagine that the you, it's pretty clear to everybody what feasibility analysis. You know, it's an analysis where you're gathering interval data and you're, you're looking at utility bills and the siting issues and the interconnection issues and all that. That's that's sort of a first step, and then helping the a district get a, a really good contractor on board is what we call procurement support, and getting that contract in place. And by the way you know, these contracts are not minor, right? <laughs> and there's a contract for the installation and then there's a contract for the ON operations and maintenance. And then the, the next phase, which we're getting to now is, is this what I call project oversight and quality control? We're not a project manager. That They do all that. You know, they're handling all the scheduling and all the coordination with the school sites. NG. And NG, yes. But we're looking over their shoulder. And our, our, our charge, our uh, goal is to meet or beat our clients' expectations. So we want to know exactly what, we know exactly what the school district wants. We help them with that. And then we make sure we're in on weekly meetings. We're in on every change order, every every change, every barrier, every hurdle, every fire that needs to be addressed. Um, you know, we're, we jump right in and try to help facilitate it. And so we know about all these solar systems that were um stood up but what about batteries were batteries part of the mix yeah that's a that's a good question um because batteries are part of the mix for a lot of projects maybe most of the projects we're working on now you know what we do when we're in that feasibility stage is we're using a a solar financial analysis tool that actually that actually also analyzes for storage we use a program called energy tool base it's, it's quite standard in the industry and it's it's used across the country and it's loaded up with rate structures of utilities across the country. And so we routinely test every project for batteries, just as we did with the Chula Vista schools. And frankly, there was just very little benefit. Um, 
you know what we, what you really want if you really if you if you want to deploy a battery on site and have a most the most cost effective you know hopefully you've got a load profile you know, the amount of load, the power you use during the day that's very spiky and those spikes are very costly in in terms of demand ratchet ratcheting demand charges so if you have batteries on site they can discharge in 4 nanoseconds and and bring that spike down and reduce the, your demand charges which are a very significant part of your, of your of the cost but school districts don't have load profiles like that you know basically mm. in the morning you know the school starts up and you know it's just sort of off to the races lighting and you got some hvac on hot hotter days but they don't have like an industry might or another thing they don't have radically different demands so so we um, did the analysis and showed that for a, a marginal cost of x you get a marginal benefit of Y and it, and it just didn't, it didn't make any sense. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, other districts that we've worked with, as you know, purchase batteries for energy resilience. And that's a different, that's a different value proposition. You know, you're not trying to install batteries to save energy and to save money. You're trying to install batteries in the, in the, in the case that the grid goes down. But um, Chula Vista didn't have that goal, except at the district office where we spec'd out a microgrid. And at the and we decided to have one microgrid in the district because that's where the school's communications are, that's where right. the information technologies are, that's also where they had some commercial refrigeration for their kitchens. It was like a centralized place. So so we could have one microgrid in the event that the San Diego gas and electric grid goes down, have one microgrid there uh, that would provide a, a, a modicum of of energy resilience that was attractive to the district. So so that was. That was also, by the way, included in the on the cost that I gave beforehand. And I know that you had mentioned that buses were somehow part of the strategy. Um, yeah, how did they use the equation <laughs> just before yeah. we leave? Hoping no, it all, that was, all I, I was kind of driving a few people crazy because I was pushing for this, and I don't, I didn't get what I wanted. But it's it, it, this is coming, everybody. I'm sure of it. Well, at the same time that the school was installing solar. Uh, the school district had gotten a grant from the California Energy Commission uh, for 10 electric buses. And actually, we became the bus e-bus consultant for the district as well. We had gotten a grant for the buses and all the, the chargers and all of the costs of interconnecting the chargers to the San Diego Gas and Electric Grid. So that was exciting. And those, those chargers are installed. And we have at the transportation yard, we have now they have 70 buses in general, but they have, they have 10 electric buses uh, running around. And the thing that occurred to me, you know, I think we've talked about vehicle to grid or vehicle grid integration. You know, we've talked about this at the home level that, you know, if you've got an electric vehicle like I do with a 60 or 70 kilowatt hours of, of uh, energy in the, in the tank, so, so to speak, the tank, you know, couldn't that be plugged into the home and couldn't that power the home in the event of a grid outage? The answer is yes, we're getting there. And so I thought, why don't we take, why don't we roll these buses? And if you've got uh, the buses have, the school buses have, I think it was about 160 kilowatt hours on board. Um, by the way, a metro bus has more like 300 kilowatt hours of electric, electric metro bus. So my thinking was, we're going to have, we have solar at the transportation yard. We're charging all the buses. And then in the event of a grid outage, even if it was at one school site, you could potentially roll an electric bus to a school site, plug it into the building, plug, <laughs> plug it into the building and power the school. And then right. if that bus starts to run out of power, you, you send it back to the transportation yard and it can get recharged with solar. And then you send another one out 
We had 10 of these buses. I thought mobile battery, mobile energy storage systems. What a fantastic form of resilience. So that became part of the con conceptual planning for the district office microgrid. And NG, the NG engineers were, were fascinated by it. And I think it's, it's, again, I think it's the direction that we're going in. I, I don't think our microgrid will have that capability, although it might. Um, but that is something that hasn't really been done. But but what a great way to um, to potentially um, have, yeah, like I said, mobile energy storage systems that could be deployed in, into different places. And, you know, of course, um, if the grid goes down, you know, this district would send the kids home. And we, we want to have the e-buses capable to send the kids home. And then after that, those electric buses could be used for this, this resilience opportunity. I love it. It's a great idea. Um, and while not the centerpiece of the Chula Vista project, definitely um, getting, a, getting a taste of it. Um, so ground us in the time frame, like huge project, 49 schools, uh, all these complexities, different stakeholders involved. How long did yeah. this take? Yeah, basically uh, about two and a half years. Um, I started talking to the district in 2019. We had our contractor selected in 2020. Construction was in 2021, 2022. Uh, things pretty pretty much wrapped up by the beginning of, of this year, other than this microgrid. I, I should have mentioned where the microgrid is installed. Um, we're just waiting for a final sign off from the utility, which is very frustrating. And I think a lot of people, a lot of listeners that know about microgrid development in, in, the, in the United States realize that one of the real barriers right now is still getting these grids, uh, microgrids interconnected. The utilities are, you know, it's, it's a new thing for the utilities. They're not ready for it or they, they, don't, they don't particularly want it in many cases. And so, and we're still, we're still grappling, but that was, uh, I think, about two and a half years. Uh, it was really a, a fantastic, uh, a fantastic run. We, we, uh, we all celebrated, and we all are hats off. And you know, the when you think about what a school district gets, it's not just the financial savings, not just reducing the carbon footprint, but every single kid on that campus will just solar will just be their norm, right? <laughs> every child's norm. All the teachers, all the fact, everybody's proud of the fact that they're, they've gone green. And when, you know, when they hear about the financial savings, you know, that just amplifies, you know, the excitement about the project. It's so fantastic, Dad. So <clears throat> sounds like a formula for success and something that could be emulated at other, within other school districts. Is there a plan in place or is it happening elsewhere? You know, the, this is um, the, the using a power purchase agreement is is not at all unusual. Um, there are about fifteen hundred school districts in California, and I'm going to wing it here and say that I bet a third of them, five hundred, already have solar at this point. Um, and most of those were paid for or were financed through the power purchase agreement, this third party financing model. Others yeah. where they had bond measures. Um, Fortunately, uh, you know, if the electorate was was willing, uh, they could they could come forth and do that. So, the model is good, and I'm, I I would like to drill just slightly into one other thing, which is this whole notion of a performance guarantee, because you know Chula Vista purchased and, and put out like with thirty six or the, the voters of Chula put out thirty six million dollars or so, thirty five to thirty six million dollars for this. Now, who's to say it's going to operate? You know, for the rest of 
for the rest of the 25 years, you know, function right. properly and realize these savings that everybody anticipated. So what we what we have now is a more mature solar market. And what these solar companies are offering are performance guarantees. And so in the case of Chula Vista, because we have an operations and maintenance contract in place there, I mentioned $7 million of cost, not, not insignificant. And because the NG has, has, has um, published for us uh, their generation schedule for, you know, here's campus number one in year one, and then here you're year, year all the way up to year 25, you know, based on normal degradation of the solar systems, they're going to say, this is what we anticipate. Uh, over the next 25 years for every single campus. And then right. guess what? We get a performance guarantee. We we extracted, and they, this was they, they offered it, but this is a great thing, a performance guarantee, 100% performance guarantee. So if NG's, the solar systems there on campus, don't deliver that stated amount of output, then NG has to pay the school district for the cost, for you know, for the additional cost of buying that power from the grid, so wow. it just really it really supports this and those performance guarantees, which I think would give a school board tremendous peace of mind. It's a legal, right. it's a legally binding contract. Um, those come with power purchase agreements and also cash deals where operations and maintenance contracts are in place, and that's that's what we put into place. So you ask, can this be replicated? Absolutely. The answer is yes. Um, Chula Vista may have had better economics than other districts. You know, San Diego is a very sunny place. San Diego gas and electric rates are very high. So we had certainly had good economics there, but, but we've seen the, these models work uh, in many, many school districts. We're right now working with a half a, half a dozen school districts on similar projects. And uh, so, so yes, we think, we think that, um, the model can be emulated and we encourage other school districts to at least take a look. Um, like we did at Chula Vista, we just looked at one campus and had a pretty good, pretty good indicator of what was going to happen. So the price of solar is, is low. Uh, the, the tax credits are out there and we've talked about that. Utility prices are continued to rise, what we call escalating, escalate, um, uh, tax credits, the bonus depreciation, everything, everything is in place. Now, in California and in other states, there is some lost value now because of changes in net energy metering. Right. Um, but there are still major opportunities for major energy cash and environmental savings on campuses. So we certainly encourage all school districts to take a look at take a look at this. Definitely. So for those Oscars of the world and the, the, yeah. the school district world, what's the first step? Well, the first step is to is to, is to find somebody to, to do an analysis. Uh, now, if you don't want to hire a consultant, I'll be frank. You can go out and get three three quotes from I, I get three quotes from uh, different solar companies. Um, but if you're a big school district uh, or a big corporation or whatnot, you know the economics are such that you really want to get somebody on your team. You want what they call a subject matter expert to to take a look, but. First step is to say, hmm, yeah, let's explore the opportunity. You know, the Oscars of the world are really busy doing their jobs. And this is another thing. And there right. have been, you know, <laughs> there's reasons not to do the next thing unless unless it's brought to you. But again, um, yeah, take a look at um take a look at the opportunity and uh give us a call. I mean, we're happy to do a, a no-cost, you know, single campus analysis uh just to see what the deal is. Right. 
Awesome. Well, <clears throat> thank you so much, Da. This is super inspiring. I'm glad we're getting this story out to the world. Um, do you have any final thoughts before we close? I I don't. I I love I love telling the story. Thank you for making it happen. I guess I, I I've mentioned some of the players that that really did make this happen. And Oscar Esquivel again deserves a great recognition. And Nancy Rohrabaugh and Shane Carlson, you know my team, Michael Ware. Uh, you know, leading this whole project uh, from from a consulting standpoint, so just a just a great, great, great team effort, and something that that we're all proud of. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back with another episode of Flanagan's Ecologic soon. Dad, good to see you. Take Likewise, thank thanks so you much. <laughs> bye bye. Done. Bye. That's it. Thanks for listening to Flanagan's Ecologic. We'll see you next time.